Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Thank you, thank you. The person in the back that didn't get a card and a pen come up to the table, thank you for coming. So guys, I'm so proud of you for choosing us. (laughs) Not that I'm like full of myself or anything, but I'm very proud of you for choosing something that says gay with God because today we can't say gay in some states and some people are telling us that we cannot be gay with God. But everybody here knows that, but how many times do we sometimes get that little inkling of, ooh, it kind of hurts to be this. It kind of hurts to identify with this. But these ladies that I have today, I'm with Susan and Judy Wilson, and they are married. Give them a round of applause. Now, I only know this much of their story because as it happens, life happened, and I would have secured a, a guest ahead of time for this podcast, but I did not. And so... I saw, I guess it was, it was Susan, and I saw her walking by the tent one day, and I said, hey, love your shirt. You would probably be a great guest for my podcast. And she goes, when would you want to do that? I said, that would be this Saturday. <laughs> and she graciously agreed, and she brought her wife, so I'm really excited. So this is what I want you to know about today. This is Judy and Susan's story. And their story is similar to a lot of people's story, but we can never know how it's going to turn out because coming out as gay is not just the same for all of us. And everybody's story is something to be honored. And if they reclaimed their faith after coming through that experience, that's a big deal. That's a big deal, and y'all know it. The other thing I want you to remember about this podcast is that some of us didn't reclaim our faith. And that is something I still honor as well. So if you're listening to this and you think, well, I can't be on the Gay With God podcast because I don't call God gay. (laughs) (laughs) Although that was, thank you, thank you. I'll be here all night. (laughs) And Jesus hung out with 12 guys and never got married. So I'm just saying, I'm I'm just saying. It sort of reminds me of my Aunt Mary and, and June. 40 years together, never married. Okay, fine. But they never came out. Anyway, but we don't know. We have no idea what God has in store for us, and we have no idea how the, the Spirit can move through us. So today, we're going to honor Judy and Susan. And, oh, I know what I was doing. See, that's what happens when you're 64 and you're in this blessed heat. I forgot where I was going with that other comment. So let me back up for a minute. So I don't want you to worry about coming onto my podcast and not having a belief in God. I don't want you to worry about coming on my podcast and calling God something different. God doesn't care. You can call God whatever you want to call God. And you can also come on my podcast and say, the church wounded me so much that I hate the church and I don't like God and I'm, you know, I'm done with that. Okay, fine. Where did you land? What gives you peace? Where, what's your story? I honor all the stories. So, 
And I can't wait to honor y'all's. So, Judy and Susan, tell us your story. When we were in law school together, um, we knew each other for a couple of years through various classes, and we were part of the Women Law Students Association and several other things. And because we were both older when we went to law school, I was 31 when I started. Wow. And how old were you? Nine years older than that. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you Don't that do can the math. add. Don't yeah. Do um, it, so it was very fascinating because at one point we went on a trip for the Women Law Students Association. And at that point I was dating a guy um, who said jokingly, just don't come back a thespian. Oh. <laughs> um, because he knew that Judy had, at one point in her past, had a same-sex relationship prior to the marriage that she was currently in. Oh. <laughs> and although I did not come back a thespian, mm -hmm. um, I did come back kind of questioning mm. things. Mm-hmm. That's because we danced together. It was very cool. <laughs> yes. I had, I, I it's all was, about the dance. At that moment in time, Susan was a serious lust object for me. <laughs> but, but I knew she was engaged to a guy. And my marriage, by the way, I was married, but it was breaking up over other things. It had nothing to do with, with um, my gender and uh, attachment. It had everything to do with our terrible, terrible relationship. Um, he's a libertarian, if that tells you anything. <laughs> But anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, so, you know, we were, we went to this conference together and um, had many opportunities to do things together. And then at one point in time, I was going to, um, there was a lesbian group that was meeting and Susan said, I'm, I'm tired of this lesbian stuff. I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> I thought, well, there goes, there goes that. So I assumed that that was the end of, of, um, anything more than just a, a friendship, which and, and in one sense was fine with me. I really liked Susan a lot, and she was a very good friend. So, And then I had a chance to do some legal study overseas, mm -hmm. and so I went to Brussels to study European community law and to The Hague, and then when I came back, I'm in the airport. It's been a very long airplane flight and I'm so happy to see my parents and my sister and I look beyond them and I see my fiance and I go uh, in my head thank God <laughs> oh I have to deal with you too <laughs> and I went uh oh that's never a good sign and when I had told people that I was engaged, many of them had burst into tears, and I wasn't real sure what that was about. But I had to be at school early, and at one point, um, Judy lived in Athens, so I called her and said, can we go out and get a beer? Because it had been a rough day. Mm -hmm. And she walked in, and I still remember what she was wearing. She was wearing white <laughs> pants, and she had this sort of brownish tan shirt with leaves on it and I looked up and I went wow she's beautiful <laughs> and little bells started going off and so we had several pitchers of beer and by the end 
we were talking about something, I don't know what, but I said, I want to have one last affair before I get married. And she said, oh, really? With who? Gossip, gossip. <laughs> and I said, with you. And um, that was really the beginning. Oh. I wasn't turning her down. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from there, how do you then deal with him? And what happens? <laughs> well, uh, I called out the wedding. Uh, Good choice. Several months <laughs> before we were to get married. Well, I, I knew people who didn't right. when they had these right. questions. Mm -hmm. And um, because I didn't feel it was fair to him. Mm -hmm. He deserved somebody who loved him mm -hmm. as much as I realized I loved Judy. Uh. And uh, also, it, it wasn't fair to me to not explore what I realized what was really happening. Right. And so we called it off. And at one point, Judy and her son um, moved into my townhouse that I had for law school. And um, at 33 was when I realized that I was a lesbian. Wow. And uh, I had grown up in the Methodist church, but hadn't been for a while. And Judy was Episcopalian, and so I started going to church with her. Mm -hmm. So when um, I went to tell the priest of the church, St. Gregory's is a little Episcopal church outside Athens, Georgia. And um, I'd been going there with, with Rick and, and my son for some time. Um, and when I told Rick I, you know, that this was over, um, he left. And, and I don't think he's darkened the door of an Episcopal church since, maybe, but I don't know. But anyhow, um, so I went to Father Gene, and I just said, this is, you know, this is crazy. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what this means, what's going to happen. And, you know, expecting him basically to say, well, I'll pray for you or something <laughs> like that. And what he said was, you need to understand that God is not one gender, that God is all genders, and that, you know, God respects you for who you are. And if this is someone you love, God's going to respect that. And I was shocked. Episcopalians. Well, you know, Father Gene was probably one of the most wonderful, kind priests I've ever known, ever. He, I don't think he had a judgmental bone in his body. But, you know, he, he basically saved my faith because if he had reacted differently, mm -hmm. I probably would have walked away. But mm -hmm. instead, I brought Susan with me. Aww. And um, she, she hasn't been a Methodist since then. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But we, it, it was important. We moved to Asheville, North Carolina, um, in part to get away from my family who lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and were not welcoming or affirming. Mm -hmm. And um, as a matter of fact, my mother decided that we needed to have a, a chat about my sexuality, five hours worth, uh, that was... Mm my back muscles felt like they were ripping, they were so tight, that began with, I guess we failed you when you were only coloring with a black crayon in kindergarten, and ended with her, uh, you know, we went through all of her 50s stuff, do, do I need to worry about you going down to the local high school and recruiting girls, oh my which shocked the heck out of me, mm. and <laughs> I found extremely insulting. Um, and then, 
finished up with her asking me how Judy's son was going to feel being raised by queen fairies, <gasps> which, you know, after five hours of this, um, uh, my humor's a little quirky anyway, and even though I didn't say it to my mother, although I wanted to, what was going through my head was, Mom, we can't be queen fairies. <laughs> My gay friend Charles could be a queen fairy. <laughs> but we couldn't be queen fairies. We could be bull dykes. <laughs> We're not bull dykes. But, you know, that would be the proper terminology if you wanted to. <laughs> so, you know, we, we made it through that. Um, there were some rocky years in there. Unfortunately, my father was diagnosed with cancer and never made it to retirement age and five years after that my mother died but oh. before that we had reconciled and come to terms oh and good when i grew up there were a lot of you know you you had the jesus movement mm -hmm. um and the jesus jesus movement had its uh you know do you accept god have you accepted god as your savior um and i I was always kind of put off by that. Mm -hmm. And so when I heard after coming out and after realizing my sexuality, I heard God's voice saying, I love you mm. and I love you for who you are. Mm. And I love you now that you have found who you are. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Isn't it, isn't it great? That's At beautiful. Wild Goose, we understand that voice yes. then, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. So Susan, Susan and I left um, law school and came to um, uh, Asheville and found the Cathedral of All Souls, which then wasn't a cathedral. It was just the all sorts church um, and, and found a great home there. Um, there. There were things going on in the Episcopal Church then. This was 1991. And so there was some division even among the folks at, at all souls about what to what to do about about gay people you know do we do we want these queers in our church or do we not you know um and all souls just continue to take the stand that god's children are god's children and um so we we loved being there we we went through the battle with them we you know we are we're appreciative of the couple that we sat at a, a, a conversation with one time who were saying I don't understand what it what is it you know what is it that you are you do who you know and and because they came from you know a, a history where in the church uh, marriage is between a man and a woman and they didn't understand why we wanted to be married what is that so I appreciated their questions and, and was you know wrestling with it too I don't know you know um, so it, it was it was a, a a good time to be a part of a church because that church walked with us and we walked with them. Mm. Well, and, uh, go ahead. And interestingly enough, we've actually had three different ceremonies. Only one of which, <laughs> I, I jokingly say, only one of which took because that was the legal one. <laughs> so we finally had a certificate. <laughs> But in 93, we went to our priest and we said, we would like to have a ceremony. We know we cannot legally get married, but we would like to have a ceremony and we would like it in the church and we would like you to be part of it. And he's, for the only time ever, 
he said to us, oh my God, do you know what you're doing to your families? Ooh. Um, and we got the distinct impression he was really, and, and the sad thing was we knew that he had a lesbian daughter. Uh. And um, he had always been very supportive of us, and when we were very poor starting out in our, our legal lives, um, gave us the money that we were able to buy our son Christmas Aww. that first year. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know what it was that we triggered in him, but clearly there, there was something in him that was not comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, and we wound up having, still having a ceremony outside of the church, but our request um, caused some consternation with the vestry at the time. Oh, wow. And led to a whole series in All Souls on human sexuality that didn't just concern same-sex relationships, it concerned a lot of human sexuality. Um, that covered divorce and um, other living in sin arrangements. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we had wow. our ceremony, and then 10 years later, our church had come along with the Episcopal Church to, we aren't, no, this is not legal. However, um, we do want to be affirming about your relationship and, and same-sex relationships, and we will honor them in the church and allow you to have them in the church and so they asked us to have a renewal of vows mm -hmm. which we did so that was 2003 and then in 2013 we went to Washington Washington DC and actually got married um, by a, a more ecumenical priest uh, in DC and so here we are in 2023, and I keep threatening, Judy, that we're going to have another ceremony because <laughs> we've been another 10 years, and keep saying, oh, no, we're not. <laughs> um, but what's interesting is we, Judy's already retired, and I will retire sometime over this coming year okay. because I will reach 66 and a half. Yay! Yes, and... Um, so we seem to have spent our entire working lives um, either working towards getting married <laughs> and bringing the church along with us uh -huh. and actually getting married um, and celebrating the fact that we had reached a point, at least in our, our religious life mm -hmm. and in our legal life, because we were the first openly lesbian attorneys. Yes. In the court system, um, most of our friends who were gay said, do not come out, and yes. I'd never been in a closet, so I didn't know how to go in. <laughs> well, I, I had a lot of experience with being in the closet, sort of some background. I had been living with a woman for several years um, when my daughter was young and lived in terror that they were going to take my daughter away from me. No. This was in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And it was a, a common practice of social services to come and take away children from um, mm -hmm. uh, actively uh, lesbian mothers. Um, mm -hmm. It was not, not unusual, and, and I lived in fear of that. So for me, being out of the closet in the legal community really was a big step. Um, but we, we did it, and... Um, and you know, it was sort of like no big deal. 
nobody said anything to us. Um, you know, people just accepted that we were a couple. Um, and we went on. We all had work to do. Everybody just did their work. Isn't that um, interesting? So, I, yeah. I, I was at social services uh, as a child support attorney, and I did have co-workers that were doing things like crying because I was going to hell mm -hmm. um, because of my relationship with Judy. Um, and they were really upset because they really liked me and they didn't want me to go to hell. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't consider that I was going to be going to hell. Right. And I, I had a supervisor at one point that was brand new and one of the first interactions when I said, good morning, how are you doing? And she kind of looked at me and said, I'm fine. I was fine yesterday and I will be tomorrow and you never need to ask me that question again. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is going to be a fun, fun working relationship. Um, to the point where the Department of Social Services brought in a mediator. Wow. Um, so that we could sit down and uh, sort of talk about things. And she came in and she said, you know, last night God convicted me and told me that it was not mine to judge you. Wow. God would judge you in his own time. Oh, God. That I did not, <laughs> that I did not have the right to judge you. And whatever judgment was going to, God was going to make was not mine to do. How did that land with you? <laughs> um, well, uh, I understood what she was saying. And uh, basically what she was saying is she didn't know how God would eventually judge me. All she mm. knew was that it, she, she did not have any right to judge me mm. on what she thought was going to be God's behalf. We can be grateful for small steps, can't we? Yeah. And well, that, that's exactly what that was. And, yes. and, and essentially what happened was she and I became good friends in part because we both um, believed in God and believed in God's love and believed in God's um, grace. Right. So we either have a squeal because we believe in God's grace or that <laughs> this child knows already what the world was that woman thinking. Right. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. So, you know, the Episcopal Church um, is the place that I've landed. And the Episcopal Church now, for me, was the most loving and affirming and supportive place that I could have been. Mm -hmm. I've heard of the stories of being in the Episcopal Church back in the day, similar to what our lovely friends from the Methodist Church are going through now. The Episcopalians did that. So, you know, it's, it's just always... Uh, moving forward and moving back and it doesn't make sense sometimes you know who gets targeted and who doesn't because you ladies were able to continue to move through with fear and sometimes trials that you became a couple and just kind of eased through and and my wife and I never really got targeted as a couple but you know she's very quiet about who she is but she's married one who's so not. <laughs> and it's her burden to bear. But anyway, <laughs> you, you brought me out. I can't go in. I can't help it. I just can't help it. So tell me, how did, how did the rest of your family deal with this? We've talked about your son. 
Uh, Judy, and I know that your mom passed early and there was some reconciliation, but how did your son handle this and, and other impacts that happened to your family? So um, when Susan and I first got together, we were, it was late at night one night and she and I were dancing in the living room and my son decided it was time to wake up and he came out and he said, Mom, do girls kiss? <laughs> and so that was our first conversation. And, you know, it, it just didn't bother him. He, you know, I answered the question, yes. <laughs> and he said, okay. And he went back to bed. Oh. It, it's just, you know, he's been, um, I don't want to say he's been supportive because it wasn't a need to support. Mm -hmm. He was just, he's just our son. Right. And, and, and he's always accepted the situation as what that's her life that's his life that's wonderful um, he loves susan and <laughs> his kids love susan and you know i mean we're just we're i'm grandmommy and she's grand susan oh <laughs> grand susan and, you know so my, my son has had no problem my daughter on the other hand um it's a little rockier mm. she's um goes to an evangelical church and um, raises her daughters to think the only thing they need to do in life is to find a man to marry. And Aww. when you get married, they, they, it's a, the many conversations start when you get married. And, and I, you know, I try not to roll my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, on the other hand, they also have just incorporated Susan and I into the family. Oh, wow. So we don't talk about it, which I think is, is what kind of saves us all. We just don't go there. Um, but, you know, we're Grandmommy and Grand Susan. Mm -hmm. What Judy forgot to mention was there was a time when we were coming home, oh. and yeah. actually we, we were still in law school, and we were coming home and um, from different places, so we were in separate cars, and Judy had Nicholas in the car with her, and we pulled up around the same time, and I looked over, and Judy has this very kind of startled look on her face and so I get out of the car and I go over and I start to say something she goes like this so I go on in well apparently Nicholas had said mom are you a lesbian uh, he's eight okay <laughs> <laughs> she said well yes and he said well I I like girls too and then he hops out of the car, and he comes in, you know, and, and that was the only conversation he felt he needed to have. And it was like, okay. And, you know, uh, he came in, and Judy was still sitting in the car, kind of stunned. <laughs> like, well, that was way better than I was afraid it was going to. Um, but we have, at one point, one of our granddaughters, um, and understand that, that we have a, an interesting blend of grandchildren. Mm. We have seven who were adopted mm. by our daughter. Um, two sibling sets of three when our eldest one was, what was she, 10? 11. 11. Yeah. Okay. So um, it, it was kind of a shock to all of us. The first sibling set we were prepared for, we had had discussions about, we had met them when they first came into the family. Mm -hmm. The second sibling set was just kind of a, oh my God, moment when um, they were desperately looking, the, the home that they were supposed to be in blew up. Oh. And so um, our daughter and son-in-law said, our hearts are open enough, we can take you in. Wow. 
and it, this was just before Thanksgiving one year, and, and all the grandparents were going, seven grandchildren, seven. It's much bigger than four. <laughs> Especially looking at Christmas. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, we, we got in trouble one time because it, it seemed that, God bless my daughter, for having just the biggest heart in the world but she also has the biggest load of laundry that you could ever imagine <laughs> and so one of the first things we would do when we would come to visit is we would begin folding clothes because there were always these piles of clean clothes that needed to be folded and one time we walked in and there were no clothes so I sat on the left seat where the clothes normally go and one of my granddaughters came over and said, oh, Grand Susan, you can't sit there. That's for the laundry. <laughs> I'm wondering, as, as we're coming through the podcast, and we want to make sure that you guys have questions, and if you do, we want to honor that later. But I'm wondering, if, with the political climate now, the right. way it is, how are you feeling about your relationship moving forward in this political climate? What, what is coming into your mind? You've been through the, the beginning of not having rights. <laughs> you now have your rights. Where do you feel in your heart this is heading for you guys and for us collectively? Well, I, you know, they, they always say you can't put the genie back in the bottle. <laughs> and, and it's not putting the genie back in the bottle. It's trying to scare people back into a closet. Yep. It's trying to silence people who are already out. Um, and, I, you know, as I, as I said, I was never in a closet. That's right. So I, and I, I tend to be kind of loud, and I tend to be kind of <laughs> out there, and I tend to say things people don't always like to hear. Yep. Um, and I don't see that changing. Mm-hmm. I'm 66 and a half. Um, every employer I've had knew, if not when they hired me, shortly afterwards, right. my sexual orientation. And for the most part, they haven't cared. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think that's the thing. Susan and I, I think you, you brought it up too. Susan and I have really lived a charmed life because we really haven't had any issues with employers or with, with co, um, you know, co-workers. Um, and so we've kind of, kind of grown to see ourselves as normal. How about that? And, <laughs> Go figure. and the other day, um, I was coming, going into the grocery store, and this was a, kind of a shocking moment for me because things have been so easy, I guess, for us. Um, I was coming into the grocery store, and I had on a Pride t-shirt, which, by the way, I hadn't even thought about because it's, you know, it's one of my t-shirts. And coming out of the grocery store was a grocery store employee, a, a young man, large um, young man, and probably he was going out to gather the carts. I don't know. But he said to me, um, he saw my t-shirt, and he said, those LGBT people are in league with Satan, and they're going to turn us into monsters. Wow. Okay. And so, of course, I'm going, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Um, you know, I want to say, uh, excuse me, I'm a grandmother. You know, I'm not <laughs> turning anybody into a monster. But um, uh, so it's real. You know, mm -hmm. this, this thing of, of wanting to 
shame us or to blame us or to scare us yep. is real. Uh, and that was the moment for me that, that I realized that. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little, I'm a little worried. Mm -hmm. I really am. Um, I'm worried about what's happening, not so much for Susan and I, but for especially for younger people, yeah. um, what they're facing and what they're going to have to deal with. Um, because, you know, people use this as a weapon. They use the Bible as a weapon. They yes. use Jesus as a weapon. Yes. My Jesus is a weapon. You know, yeah. I, 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 it, that, that makes me weep really does yeah um so i you know i worry about what's happening but on the other hand i have great hope look at where we are that's right you know that's there right. is hope and there's hope yes um it, and as somebody said we can't let the democrats solve all the problems it's not that's not the way that's gonna go it's gotta, it's gotta come from people of faith Right. It's got to come right. from those of us who see Jesus not as a weapon, but who see Jesus as our brother. Amen. And, Amen. And I think it's going to also require some very brave yes. pastors like Bonhoeffer was in his day, mm -hmm. because I think it will get, unfortunately, potentially very ugly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it, we tend to be the low-hanging fruit for people who thrive and get their authority and power through fear and hate. Yep. Um, and it, we will not be the first, we will not be the last. Yeah. Um, but just as people have lived through it before, we will live through it now. Yeah. And, and it may not be comfortable. Uh, there was a gentleman who went to All Souls who had his very own newspaper um, that referred to us as those two fat lesbians. Oh. Well, why would they call you fat? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. And, you know, there, there are those people out there. And for them, I'm, mm. I'm really sorry mm -hmm. because their view is fear and hate. Yes. Their view does not encompass the love and grace of God and of mm -hmm. Jesus and mm -hmm. what he spoke about and the life he actually led. Right. And um, I, I'm so sorry that they don't see that. They yeah. don't feel it and they don't understand it. Right. And by the way, I've been praying for that young man because I feel very sad for him, oh. very sad. Well, and that's and I think that's that's exactly where we need to be is I told somebody one day that, that I did understand why they thought I was going to hell because I believed that for 30 years. <laughs> so I'm like, you're right where I used to be. I said I couldn't come out, and I was afraid to come out, and I believed I was an abomination. I said, but unfortunately, we're both wrong. We were both wrong, and that's just the way it is. And it's okay for you to, to, to take your own journey about that. You know, the thing that I realized, too, is that that – it is targeted at us, but it is now a, a, just a community of fear out there, fear and disrespect. So you're going to fear being in a relationship with me and being in solidarity with me because if you come, you know, come with the sinner, you're going to be going to hell too according to the way you interpret the Bible. So I couldn't break through the fear for 30 years about that. And I think right now people are having, still having a hard time with the Bible as it has presented itself to us, and they still believe the literal word. And that fear is so gripping because if you were raised with the belief 
as the Bible is literal and you have to believe it as it was written, then that's a hard thing to break through for people. And I do understand that. And I do pray for people who still live in that fear. But I'll be danged if you're going to take my marriage. Now, I'm going to tell you now, I fought long and hard for that baby. And I'm oh, going to, yeah. <laughs> I am not giving that up. And, you know, we should not have to. But the hate and the disrespect in, the, in this world today is on a, on a different level than I've ever witnessed it as an as a adult. I mean, we, we just have not seen the lack of respect and, and hate that we're having right now in my time. You right. know, it was going on when I was a child in a different way, but this is completely different since we've had our rights and we're married and we're living our lives in community, and now all of a sudden we're targets. Well, it, look at what's happening overtly yep. in Florida and other states, including North Carolina, um, where it, it's open season on transgender yes. children. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and adults. Yep. And, you know, that's that's just the beginning. Yeah. And we are, as Judy has already encountered, we're, we're feared as if we are some sort of, as my mother was taught yes. in the 50s, yes. we're going to go out and recruit girls. And it's like, what the? I, no. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> and and I'm really really sorry for people who have that fear. Yeah. Um, and I we worked in children's services for a long time, yeah. and we know what abused children look like. Yeah. You had a comment. Would you like to come to the mic and say what you said? What did you say? If only it were so easy. <laughs> if you could choose to be gay, you should be gayer. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to be as absolutely gay as I can be everywhere I go. <laughs> okay, so um, final thoughts before we open it up to, to any questions. Think about something you want to leave us with, something that's important that you haven't said yet that you want to bring out, if anything. I just, you know, I just believe that we are all God's children, and God doesn't pick children by color or gender or you know, whatever, um, God, you know, we're just all God's children and I love you. And I, you know, I believe that we are loved by God and that's, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm living my life that way. I love everybody that I meet, which embarrasses some people, <laughs> but it's true. Awesome. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one thing that the people sometimes forget is that when you open the door to things like homophobia yeah you're also playing into sexism and racism and all of those other isms mm -hmm. because they're all connected and they are all tied together and it's the same animus that drives it all yes and uh, we need to get that uh, we need to name it we need to see it yes. and we need to say we're not going to accept it yes do we have any questions Awesome. Okay, so I want to thank you ladies so much for being so spontaneous and calling, <laughs> be, being called in. You, you allowed me to call you in. That was not recruiting. Okay, they were already gay. I did not recruit them. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm here all night. Okay, not really, but um, 
Uh, so I want to thank you guys. And if you want to follow them and, and be in relationship with them, Judy would love for you to Facebook her. So you can Facebook Judy on Facebook. And to let you know that this little container right here, it says, ask me about my book. You didn't ask me. So I'm just going to tell you. Uh, I am uh, writing my memoir. It's in typesetting. It should be released in October of this year. It's Gay with God, Reclaiming My Faith, Honoring My Story. That almost sounded a little bit too much like the Baptist Church, which I was never a part of. But anyway, um, so please look out for that. And I hope next year to have uh, books available to you. You can pre-order right now at gaywithgod.com slash book. And um, if you go on Facebook to look up Judy, you can also look up a group that I run called my uh, Gay With God. See, do you hear the theme? I'm going to be gay everywhere I go. So the Facebook group is called Gay With God, and every month I run a faith journey support group, and we have a lot of great conversations there. And if you find me on Facebook, you'll also see how to jump in on a Ask Me Anything. About the, once a month, I do an Ask Me Anything. You can ask me literally anything. I'm pretty much going to tell you the truth about anything. But it's especially about the book, and you can hear some things from the book and some of the untold stories. Okay, thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for everything else that's at the Goose. We love you. Thank you for coming. I hope you enjoyed that live recording, and I want to thank Judy and Sharon Wilson. What a wonderful story they shared with us, and I'm so happy to know them. If you are listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or not even sure if you're gay, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it. You have always been gay with God. Thank you everybody for listening. Stay tuned to see how you can join the gay with God community. And as always, you are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the gay with God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the gay with God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.